In three, two, one. Just kidding, I already started recording. Welcome to Beerfield, where we actually verified YouTube was working this week. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two Ps. As always, joined by the esteemed, astounding, looking good in a beanie, bearded gentleman himself at Beerfield Thurry, Dan Thurston Thurry. I mean, I am pretty thirsty. I am, you know, spoiler alert to what I'm going to be talking about. I am drinking an nitro irish stout you know because it's nice you gotta go with the theme of of the of the time of year i didn't and but and it yeah well it's fine there's so much excitement because of this week that like we have a whole like dedicated idea to what this episode was going to be and then the nfl was like nah fam so now we're just gonna shit on literally everything yeah so now it's only gonna kind of be that um (laughs) I'm also, I'm not thirsty, and it's because I started with a personal trainer this week, and one of the first recommendations was drink a gallon of water a day. So, I've been doing that, which means I've been peeing a lot, which means since this is a live show, and we don't edit it, I'll probably pee a couple times in the middle of the show, and also, my arms are killing me, so if you see the microphone get lower and lower, because my desk is going lower and lower, so I can actually reach my keyboard, mind your business. (laughs) We're doing some combine reaction. The NFL combine's over, so I'm sure you saw 90,000 tweets about, like, can he pick its hand size and Isaiah Spiller being terrible. So we'll get into all that. Um, and then kind of let you know who helped who hurt. We won't do a full rookie preview. It's kind of going to be your introduction to names and how some people athletically profiled with full rookie stuff coming here at the end of the month. So, or no, end of next month. Right? No, it should be end of this month. Hold on, I got it pulled up. Let me look. Well, we have two weeks. I'm sure it's either late April. should be mid-April. It'll be mid-April. It's a month away is what it was. Yeah. yeah. I remember thinking, yeah, because we're doing free agent reactions next week, and then we're going to do a beer episode, and then we'll cover some team needs in the draft, and then we'll get to the actual draft episodes in mid-April before the actual draft, and then a draft reaction episode. So, oh, for those that good. thought we never planned anything, we do actually plan some things. We um, try. I mean, we always have an outline. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Uh, Josh Lurkey <laughs> was supposed to be on this week, but he couldn't make it. So, um, he's he's Dude, out. Me not ask. He's <laughs> out <laughs> wrestling bears barehanded. So he's um, out. We'll try to get. He's him. actually out. Like he's actually out becoming a TikTok sensation you know, yeah. influencer over there by wrestling by bears. Lurkey. by wrestling bears. So yeah. Uh, We'll get him on the show <laughs> next time. Um, all right. I've babbled long enough, don't you think? Yeah, we got plenty to talk sure. about in the news section. We'll get to all of that. It's not like anything's happened in the NFL world this week. Nothing. It's been very quiet. Literally. Quiet. What's fueling beer fueled? All right, Dan, who is making that? 
Nitro Irish Stout. I am drinking Breckenridge's Nitro Irish Stout. This is uh, Breckenridge's out of Colorado. Uh, one of the uh, very popular in the world now and uh, world known, I guess, or are known breweries here in the United States. But um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, St. Patty's say it's uh, a week out and it's time to, you know, the pop up some of the Irish, you know, themed beers, whether it be red ales or ambers or actual Irish doubts. Um, Anthony said he'd be right here, by the way. Uh, I know so I saw that. We're going to have a pop in guest at some point in this episode, by the way. Got pop in guests with some, uh, with some, some news. news attached to it. Definitely some news attached to it. Excited. Um, so at this point, Maplewood is rivaling the still for the most appearances on this show because I love them. And every time I see something new, I'm inclined to grab it. And as it turns out, I forgot to go beer shopping. I was trying not to put them on again because I feel like I've had them on like three times this year already. And it's March. But are you trying to tell me that you work for them now? Is that, is that why they're, uh, they're about the rival maybe? They bought the rival still. I would volunteer for them, honestly. I mean, <laughs> if they were closer, like their stuff is is that good. It's just I have a hard on for Maplewood. I don't know how else to put it. I got wood for Maplewood. That should be a T-shirt. Um, it really should be. I'll let him in, in just a second. So I'm drinking a dark check lager. Oh, um, I almost picked this, this up. It's called In Dark Trees. So I'll let you know what I think about it. And ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado. Without further ado. Hopefully. We'll see. Hey, oh, you got the background and everything. We're fancy today. Like, Anthony, God. we're used to you, like, in line at a restaurant or walking through the Dominican or whatever it is you're doing. We got we got actual in the studio, I Anthony, see. today. This man showed oh, up. He did. He's trying, to out, like, he's trying to outdo us on our own show. <laughs> we're we're mid-episode. We are mid-episode, by the way. So, like I said, oh, we do it live. That. No, you're good. No, no. We no, just, it's more my fault Dan for not dropping a time. Dan didn't confirm anything, so we just we do it live like we told <laughs> you. So, we're just like, we're going to go. And if he shows up, he shows up. We've done that to people before, too. So. Anyway, welcome. Uh, so, just to... To catch up, all we've done so far is intro and tell people what beer we're drinking. So, okay, I haven't gotten into any of the actual NFL stuff or or anything like that. And we will announce what we have to announce in the news section. Um, Dan, would you say that's bigger news than anything else that, ha- that happened in the NFL this you week? You know, with this being one of the quietest leadups to you know, you know, you know, to NFL free agency, I figured our news is probably. Actually, the most important news that has dropped in the NFL space this entire. I think week. this week's news segment deserves something we don't do every time anymore. <laughs> news. We don't do the news drop. Nearly as much anymore because we just kind of smooth transition. I think this deserves it. That's so. You will notice. We said we got some news to announce. Are we doing this now? Yeah, it's now. Right now, okay. Yeah, we said we got some news to announce. Um, we have we have partnered up the FF Face Off and the Face Off Sports Network. So, and their uh their family of podcasts. So let Anthony tell you about uh about us. I was going to say them, but we'll let Anthony tell you about us. 
here yeah. in a second. Um, but just so you guys know, what does that change for you, um, our listeners? Well, I mean, you're going to get some new graphics probably that like have their logo on it too because we're part of them now. You're going to get... Um, Actually, that's probably the only thing that's going to change. You're going to get some new dra- graphics. The rest of this... Uh, oh, yeah, you'll be able to find Dan and I writing on occasion as well. But other than that, um, nothing changes. You'll still get the podcast the same place. We'll still be on YouTube the same place. Um, same content, same style, same delivery, um, same everything else. So it's something that we've wanted to do for a while is find a find a, a, a podcast network and a, a fantasy sports network to latch on to, to help grow the listener base and grow our, our interaction and everything. And we feel filled an area that they didn't have filled yet. And it, it worked out. So Anthony, why don't you get the people up to speed with you? What you guys are doing um, over there? Listen, you know, we were like, kind of like you guys for a very long time at the FF face off and we were kind of floating, you know, uh, I was part of gridiron experts for a long time, but the face off really emerged as its own brand. Uh, we've tried, uh, the website thing out two other times and, you know, it, it's a lot of work. It was me and, and Mike Hoff really. Uh, so this past off season uh we decided to partner up with aaron shill uh, and that was the best thing that ever happened to the brand uh he's outstanding on the website uh and and we've expanded outside of fantasy football we're doing betting we're doing really all sports nascar picks you name it we're doing it right now um and, and i'm happy to have a uh, beer fuel now part of the network uh doing dynasty content adding a little bit of a uh, lifestyle content with their uh with their different what beer and uh reviews and and, and things like that uh, we want to do more uh more lifestyle things we have the mental health potathon so really uh we're trying to do big things here and, and really excited for uh things to come And right there, you guys can see the fit. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that we branched off and started to talk a little bit more betting, a little less start sit. Um, From a a casual perspective, we started talking a lot of uh, underdog sports stuff. Um, And, you know, over-unders, by the way, best way to bet that I found all season. I made a boatload of money using underdog. We're we're not sponsored by them. The face-off, I think, is. I saw it on the partner page. But... uh, that's just a free plug because I made a boatload of money on Underdog last year. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, two unders all day. It was almost as much as that million dollars I made on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Dig. Um, I didn't make a million dollars on YouTube, guys. Um, but, you know, also uh, the Mental Health Potathon, we've done full episodes on on burnout in the industry with, uh, with Stompy, Sam Lane. Um, we've talked about mental health and the importance of that a lot uh last year with calvin ridley when he left with my own some of my own uh struggles with that have come out on this show uh and you've also heard us talk other sports on this show too we've forayed into disc golf a couple times um (laughs) you know mlb lockout ended if we didn't have so much nfl news to get to i doubt that would have might have been the lead-in on this one because we try to cover major happenings and some other sports as well just to to touch on it so yeah, it, it's it's a great fit, and and we're excited for it. And you know, as we it'll it'll be more kind of gradual. You know, I'm not running out to write articles today, but as stuff comes out, and um, you know, we'll we'll tweet it out and let you guys know as we figure this out and move forward. So we're happy to be part of it, and Anthony, we're happy happy to have you here to talk some football. 
Yeah, you know, it's been pretty busy here the past couple of days. I think this is unprecedented for an NFL offseason, and we're like not even officially into the new league year. Yeah. So clearly what he's talking about is that Jermichael Hasty and Nate Sudfeld re-signed with the 49ers. <laughs> Nate Sudfeld on a fully Biggest gu- news of the week. Nate Sudfeld on a fully guaranteed deal. So hey, that's fully guaranteed. That's gotta be what we're talking about. No. Um we'll just start from the first news that broke this week and then we'll jump around a little bit through just because I have this in an order. It's not any order that means anything. It's just an order. Um, so Calvin Ridley, let's start there. Uh, suspended for at least 2022, um, for betting on games while he was away from the Falcons. And Twitter, of course, always has an opinion. Yep. So naturally, we're going to have one too. And my opinion on this is league. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. I don't think it should have been mm. not punished because, I mean, Pete Rose is a prime example of this where you bet on games in a league you play in, you you should be punished because you can directly impact the outcomes. And if you're doing it when you're not with the team, what's to say you weren't doing it when you were with the team? But in line with some of the domestic violence, um, you know, and other things that, you know, DUIs, actual dangerous things, criminal things that happen. You're saying the integrity of your game is more important than the conduct of your players by by doing this and taking the stance at a full season, maybe longer suspension. And that's the part that, that I don't agree with, especially since what they can prove is that it was only while he was away from the team, not on the field, not affecting games, and betting the Falcons to win. Not lose. So I'll uh, I'll give my thoughts on this too. I I I uh, I think the suspension is fine. Just uh, given the importance of of nipping gambling in the ass from professional athletes, uh, gambling in their professional you know the sport that they're that they're playing in. Obviously, the biggest problem is it, it's the fact that it looks like the NFL doesn't care as much about punishing domestic violence offenders by Ray Rice's, you know, when that happened, you know, back in 2014, the initial suspension was two days before the video uh, got out to the public. Cause you know, Goodell got the video early and he saw that and said, yeah, it's about two games like that. Like that's the most fucked up part is, is when a player like Ridley, who clearly, made a massive mistake and she'd clearly be punished by it. This like he got more games initially. Right. And then the first real big case of domestic violence within the NFL he got space. More games initially than Greg Hardy who choked his girlfriend on a pile of guns. Yeah. Like and it, then it, had his suspension reduced. Yeah. And it to me that's where the biggest problem lie in. I want to try to not compare them because I still think really deserves what he got. Cause I think it's more of a bigger, it's, it's setting the right precedent. It's just, it looks even worse because of how the NFL treats all their problems in the NFL. They're like handles their own suspensions. And I think that's where I'm trying to grab to it. It's that's clearly the wrong fucking message where, yeah, you know, he beats his girlfriend. He chokes his girlfriend. He beats this, that, and the other. He, Half a season, maybe. Like, we don't want to ruin his career by any means. Like, 
that's I think that's again this highlights even more just how fucked up Goodell is and how the NFL has handled this problem the last almost ten years now. Um, this isn't, you know, just looking back in NFL history, I just pulled up a site, 1963, Alex Karras and Paul Horning each got suspended for the entire year for betting on NFL games. So this is not the first time that they've suspended a player for a year, uh, uh, for a season for betting, but since 1963, society has changed. Things are more acceptable. Things are no longer acceptable. Yet the NFL is still suspending people for a full season for betting. But just like you guys said, domestic abuse, four games, first offense. Yeah. Well, in a season for betting, and I think that you the situations are situational. I say it on the show a lot. It's my favorite McAfeeism. Situations are situational. <laughs> and the situation here and what he got caught doing was he wasn't even impacting the outcome of the game and he wasn't betting on his team to lose. And I don't think that that's for, I don't think that's for nothing. Dan, I don't disagree that they need to nip this and crack down on it because otherwise players will go the other way and fix it so that they pull in money. Um, I agree with everybody that said it was the worst bet ever because he bet 1500 to lose 11 million. Yeah. But um, I, I, I do think that this is given how it compares to other things the NFL punt has punished people for. And really the, the situation of what it was, it was strong. I think they could have, could have sent a little bit lighter of a message. I mean, suspend him for half the season. And that may be what happens. So like if they, they appeal it, maybe, you know, maybe Goodell, you know, sees this as a, you know, as a way to put the hammer down, knowing that Ridley's camp will will come and ask for reduce mm-hmm. and try to get it appealed. But the big thing is is beyond this is how you led the new section with it. It's at, at least at least mm-hmm. they're gonna investigate the shit out of this. Yeah, because if it because it, it it's starting to sound like Ridley has a gambling problem. Which unless you ask unless you ask him, in which case he doesn't have a gambling problem. He's yeah, fifteen hundred dollars, and you and I probably bet that this past season. Well, just don't tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it's just with how bad it is. Well, let's look to his his dynasty value, though. Let, I mean, obviously, yeah. we got to talk about the other about fantasy implications. See what it is. So, I mean, uh, I'll go ahead. It sounds like he was on the move. I just wanted to throw that in there as well before yeah. we get to dynasty value to set the stage. It sounds like he was on the move. Um, Eagles were allegedly close to a deal. Uh, props to the Falcons for negotiating in good faith and pulling back on all of that when they knew the investigation was happening. Yeah. So, I don't know. It takes the time off for mental health, which I don't think should be an indictment, but a lot of, and a lot of people thought it was retirement. But then you, you're suspended for a year on it. You're going to be two years removed from the last time you played. And you were really staged for a big breakout season, but you have yet to have that big breakout season. It's probably going to be a prove it deal somewhere. And I think that his dynasty value is, you know, probably somewhere in the mid twenties at this point. I, I think that he's down in it towards the mid to back end of the wide receiver two range right now. He might be even further. He'll be age. We'll be cl- he'll turn thirty that year 
he he could come back, right? If if we don't see any reduced suspension or anything like that, or you know nothing reduced or extended out longer, you're looking at age twenty eight, twenty nine, and you know we don't know where he's going to play if he doesn't get traded. You know, in between that time, it's it's up in the air. What are your thoughts, Anthony? You know, I, I'm all over the place here with Calvin Ridley. Um, if you have a really deep dynasty roster and you can get him and basically steal him, yeah, roster him. But like in most dynasty leagues, if you're if you're not playing with deep rosters, I, I don't know if you can roster him right now. You're saying you know you know that this age thing, and this reminds me of like uh, who was it? Josh Gordon. Yeah. When Josh Gordon, you know, he he's an excellent receiver, and he has all his off the field problems. And then he comes back later and people are expecting to get the same guy from all those years ago. It's just when you're away from the game, no matter how old you are, what game shape, you're not in football shape. You're not in game shape all these years. And, and I, I don't think that player is ever going to be the same again. And mm-hmm. is Ridley that much of an elite receiver now to say, you know what? I you know, let me go. Cause just in case he comes back, I'm going to get wide receiver one production. You're not even you're barely getting that now. You know, it's and, it's not an Antonio Brown situation, and you know, right? You you you're away from the game for a year and then come back. You're I, not in game I'd, shape. I'd rather roster Antonio Brown right now and Gronk over Calvin Ridley. Yeah, you can, you're away from the Two game. Guys you, that might not play. Well, and they were elite talents when they did it, and Ridley hasn't proven that he was an elite talent beforehand. So now here we are, and if you want to know, you know how. That can kill your career. Just ask Le'Veon Bell, who never rebounded from his year off. Well, that and you, I mean, I mean, he stepped away because of mental health, right? Ridley? What's to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridley, sorry. What's to say that within a year that he'll be, I mean, what's going to, what's going to keep him from wanting to step away again? Like, clearly something happened, you know, at some point within, you know, X amount of days, months, years. That led up to this moment, and now you know, two years removed, a year removed, you know, he comes back, and we don't know where you know that mindset is. I know it's a really, it's a slippery slope argument, it, and I, I don't, and I'm not trying to make an argument to it. It's basically legit. It's, I just, where does teams value him, and then how do teams value what happened with him stepping away? when comparing it to now his gambling with this gambling situation. So I will say that that's valid in the sense that the NFL is still, even though it's gotten better in the last decade or so, still seen as that tough guy sport where, you know, if you're not mentally tough as people call it, which I, I do think they're moving away from that. At least the players are to a degree. Um, in front offices though, you're, you're right. You know, they're still the bootstraps generation that owns these teams and are are living in the front office. And, you know, you don't have in mental health isn't an excuse, which is bullshit. Um, But, you know, I like I hope that I sincerely hope this that gambling wasn't a vice that that Ridley chose to deal with that, as people often do when there's something else going on. I hope that while he was away, he actually got the tools that he needed to be able to cope with and deal with whatever he was dealing with, because those make a world of difference. If you can take the time to focus on you and implement those tools and 
you know, I, I, you know, I hope that that's not the reason. I hope that it, it's gambling and it's the, the on-field production not being a lead that lands him a prove-it deal. I hope that we don't get leaks, and we will. I, I'm sure we will, but that we don't get leaks two years from now that are focused on the mental health aspect and that being why he stepped away. But you're not wrong to call it out because it's the way the league's been for however long. It, yeah, it, it's... Until it's pro- until it's shown to us otherwise, we have to assume that's how it's going to be moving forward, which is, again, sad. But, I mean, steps are being made into the right direction with players taking their mental health more seriously. We're not there it's just that when you, Yeah, it's when you get a player of, of Ridley's caliber steps away and then this type of news breaks out. It, it, I, there's some fear that it, it's going to move move that momentum a little bit backwards now. I just and, and like you said, I hope it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on Ridley, Anthony? Before we move on, um, no, no, I think we covered everything on Ridley right now. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. The whole the whole mental health thing um, with Ridley and now the gambling thing, because yeah, you know, uh, addicts and, and mental uh, people dealing with mental health issues. As, as I'm a recovering addict, and, and and I have you know obviously mental health issues or whatever and you use things to cope but i don't know we we can't immediately assume that that's what calvin ridley was doing unfortunately right it could have just been a one-off thing like on a whim and that's open and the nfl will do its investigation and And i think that's where yeah and that's why you hear the at least one year is they'll do what they need to do given the information they find all right, Bears traded Khalil Mack to the Chargers, 2022 second, 2023 sixth round pick. This is here because I'm a Bears fan and I want to talk about it. So, oh, go ahead. Um, a lot of people thought the return was light or don't like this trade, and I'm the opposite, kind of. It's a 31 year old defenseman. You got the Chargers to take the entirety of that contract on a team that desperately needs to rebuild around Justin Fields. Mm. Dan, you've heard it a lot on this show where I've talked about the Bears defense being old and their key players being upwards of of 30 outside of Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson and, and Roquan Smith. I mean, your pass rushers were Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Khalil Mack all over the age of 30. You've got solid secondary pieces. You've got a solid middle linebacker. You're switching to um, a 4-3 base. So get some youth in on the pass rush front. Get somebody to take on that full contract from Mac. You saw the the tweet that was in one of our group chats earlier. It's going to give the Bears $123 million in cap space next year as of right now, which is a boatload to work with on a team that has a lot of holes. Could they have gotten more? Maybe if he hadn't played last part of last, or not if he hadn't missed the back part of last year to injured with a foot injury for a bigger guy, which it 30 plus years old. It's not easy to come back from. The performance was still there. Do I hate the sixth round pick? No, because the Chargers took the entirety of the contract. And just how they're shaping up their salary cap for next year. You know, that that post that right now they have 131, you know, million dollars, uh, you know, below the cap. So this is a team that if they hit on a couple of picks this year and really can develop those young players and get their young nucleus that they need, 
Yeah. Um, you can go out and spend next year and, and, and really put forth uh, a roster that could be competitive uh, right when Rodgers leaves the NFC, which is why this, I, I think it's a great move. I get why Bears fans are upset, but it's the wrong thing to be upset at. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a steps in the right direction and you just hope that the draft picks that they make work out. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I, I have to not hope so much, but you know, yeah, seeing yeah. how this could work out right when Rogers is ready to retire or leave green Bay. Um, it's going to fit out perfectly for that next, you know, for when the bears are ready to really hit their next window. You know, when it comes to the compensation that Bears got for Khalil Mack, this regime, this front office did not trade for Khalil Mack. Right. Nope. Uh, so right now, this front office, to most Bears fans, should look like heroes because they are creating cap space for the future. And let's face it, Khalil Mack, he's a regressing talent, still a really great talent, but he's not the same guy uh, who garnered all those, uh, you know, that high draft capital a few years ago. Uh, so I, I think they're doing the right thing, moving off of Khalil Mack, moving off the contract. The Bears are rebuilding. I, I know, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers did not leave, like, like you guys mm-hmm. said. The Bears aren't going anywhere, and they're not going anywhere fast with Aaron Rodgers in this division for at least the next two years. Uh, so bring pieces in. Maybe they turn one of those draft picks into a younger version of Khalil Mack, who's going to be there for the next eight years. Not a guy who's, what, 31 years old and yeah. uh, coming off of an injury. Yeah, and, and Absolutely. that's exactly my place on it. It's You need pass rush. You need linemen. You need secondary help outside of Johnson and in Jackson, you need outside linebackers. You need receivers in, you know, and you need playmakers because right now all you got is Darnell Mooney. So the way you do that is you acquire currency. Currency is cap space and draft picks. You got a second. Now you have a couple second rounders this year, and we know you can find value in the second round and the third round. So. You've got currency, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's not the only move they make. I, you know, if Robert Quinn goes, wouldn't be shocked. I think he's coming off the season he had. I think he's their other most valuable trade chip, and it's the same situation. He had been in regression up until last year in Sean Desai's defense, and older player. Now, in the same breath here, right? You take Khalil Mack, and now he has Bosa on the other side. Yeah. So I remember when um, two years ago, because I'm a Cowboys fan, Robert Quinn had a terrific career at the Rams, goes to Miami, kind of flutters a little bit, goes to Dallas for one season and just blew up. And then he went to Chicago, and it's like, oh, wow, like he really rejuvenated his career. No, well, he had Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. On the other side, Robert Quinn, who was a little bit older, had a really good season in Chicago. Now Khalil Mack's going to go – with Bosa on the other side, we're going to see, I, I think we see a regressing Khalil Mack put up double-digit sacks. Something he hasn't done in, what, two seasons? Yeah. Because of the presence of Bosa. And, it, and you have offensive lines in that division that are not particularly, you know, strong. So it's a it's a great move by the Chargers because now Mahomes and, uh, spoiler alert, Wilson are yeah. in Denver. So, Yep, and it solidifies the defense, which was, I mean, the offense was never the problem. Not really, oh. most of the time, not the problem last year. Um, we telegraphed it, but we won't jump right there. A couple other 
<laughs> a couple throwaway notes. Uh, Ravens re-signed Tyson Williams to a one-year contract, just something to be aware of in that carousel of running backs. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's just crowded. The Chargers re-signed Mike Williams, three-year deal worth $60 million, so he will still be uh, operating alongside Keenan Allen there. They keep that intact. Josh Reynolds back to Detroit on a two-year deal. He showed some rapport with Jared Goff down the stretch a little bit. Um, so I still expect them to try to address receiver, but with Reynolds and St. Brown, they're one receiver away from not an explosive offense, but at least better than they looked going into last year. I think it also spells the potential, I wouldn't say end, because they really didn't get much going. You know, with, with Quinta Cephas, they yeah. re-signed Josh Reynolds. They have a breakout in St. Brown, and I think most people expect them. I think they have five picks in the top 70, take a- something like that, something insane like that, that they'll likely take a receiver with one of those picks. Mm-hmm. And Hawk will be back, and yeah, Swift will be healthy-ish. Healthy and Swift should yeah. be healthy-ish, so. They'll tool up. Bears might finish last in that division, and I'm okay with it. No. We'll see. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers stated his intent to stay in Green Bay as we telegraphed it. Uh, No reports on, no official reports on contract yet. There were reports of a four year, 200 million contract being signed. Those were refuted by Pat McAfee, who we know has a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and then later Aaron Rodgers himself stating that the contract had not been signed um, and Devontae Adams was franchise tagged. So uh, Rogers, it sounds like he will sign. I don't know if he's just kind of waiting around and I don't know. We'll see what the, we'll see what the money is. A lot of people are want to rush to call Rogers an egomaniac, but he ain't signed yet. So you might be surprised. Oh my God. You just think the greatest long con convince the entire world you're going back and then retire literally have everything saying that you're coming out that you're coming back like now nah, i'm good now i'm fine he learned from far yeah i mean it, it's uh i mean again i don't know why a quarterback would want to leave the nfc north to join the afc west so i always felt like the broncos move would have been a pipe dream i mean they found a way to get the other guy. I, yeah. I have the. It, it's because you know you brought up uh, Aaron Rodgers' ego, and he has an ego. But uh, you know who else has an ego? Russell Wilson. And yep. I think because Russell Wilson, ha- you know, he's not as brash as Aaron Rodgers, not as condescending. And I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm an Aaron Rodgers guy. I think he's but great. He is what he is. Yeah. You know, he he's a little bit condescending. So is Colin Coward. I love both of them. Uh, and, and Russell Wilson always tries to be like that. It always seems like he has that like really nice, you know, let Russ cook type of demeanor. Meanwhile, he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the reason why a team wins and a team wins a Super Bowl. And if he goes to Denver and wins the Super Bowl, it's not going to be cause of, of anything else because they drop Russell Wilson. And just like Matthew Stafford, he's going to get that type of treatment. And that's what Russ wants. That's what he wants his whole time. Yeah, and he gets he to go through to the fucking. Cross. He gets to go through the fucking gauntlet that is of Mahomes and Herbert. And, That's gonna you know, be a hell of a division. division. That's why I mean it makes sense for Rodgers, like he's getting up there in age. You just watch Brady retire. Obviously, this his deal came out before the Wilson news, but no, Wilson's gone. Well, um, it, it just makes for a far easier path and less destructive path 
Because those games in the playoffs are going to be fucking brutal. Here's a spoiler. Rodgers is just going to go through, just has to go through the Rams. So another spoiler alert, though, right? Uh, another team just had a quarterback spot open that's a uh, weak division. That uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, uh, the other QB trade. <laughs> the, the other QB trade that's a weak division that now has cap space. And got to <laughs> wonder if that maybe changes anything a little bit. Maybe. I... Haven't seen it. I've not seen the rumor. I'm starting it right here. Aaron Rodgers is going to pull a fast one and go to and end up with the Colts somehow. Oh, no. I mean, he wants to go to Tennessee at that. You know, he, he bought that, he bought that property in Nashville. Oh, and Pat I, I hope so. Pat I like, he's going to be behind it. <laughs> I have a love hate relationship for Rodgers. So a lot more hate than love, but every now and then I hate it's, playing it's been kind of him. fun to watch him play. Like he soaks up. He soaks up the villain role so well. He's a heel. I love it. He is. Mm-hmm. He's uh he's he's played he's like he knows he's a heel card and he's fine with that. He's and now he's gotten even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely. He <laughs> perfect. His Seth Aaron freaking Rogers. Uh Russell Wilson. Uh, aforementioned traded the Denver Broncos, uh freaking Hall going back to Seattle. So it's Wilson, a fourth rounder for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two firsts, two seconds, and a fifth. So Seattle in a rebuild, two firsts and two seconds will help that. Drew Locke gives yep. you a bridge quarterback and gives him a change of pace to maybe see if there is anything there, which is exactly what you want out of a bridge quarterback. Noah Fant gives him a, an elite tight end. And, and there's now been some some small rumors, but it's starting to pop up that Seattle may also be in play for Mr. Watson himself, which would kind of fit. We'll see what, what happens there, tomorrow. But we'll see with the yeah. grand jury indictment. Um, so we'll see. Panthers are also linked to Watson. I mean, every team that needs a quarterback is going to be linked to every quarterback that might be available too. So, absolutely. Wilson to Denver. There's some nice synergy here, though. Um, Obviously, Jerry Judy has some good synergies with Tyler Lockett on paper, not in athletic profile because reasons Tyler Lockett's a lot more athletic. But either way, synergy and how they're used. Um, Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf have a nice round of synergy as contested ball guys uh, and in deep threats. He gets an upgrade in Tim Patrick. And you're going to see the Denver offense go a lot of the ways of the Rams offense, I think, with the upgraded quarterback and the talent that they have there. And the division that they play in, Mahomes, Herbert, even, you know, Carr. Oh, yeah. Even they're... with a good defense, there's going to be a, a lot of throwing. Russ had Russ had to say if he wanted to wave his no trade clause. So I'm sure there were some some conversations with how the, he, the offense is going to be ran with him there. Um, should be the opposite of Seattle, but I mean, you get guys like Albert O, which we've know have seen his his value skyrocket, given how athletic he is from the tight end spot. Javante Williams, you got a running game, Williams, so you're not one dimensional. Yeah, I mean, this offense is it, going from a mediocre scoring offense to what you know it looks to be top, at least top seven, and then just given how I expect this team to play a little more up tempo. It could be even higher, and then you can get a guy like KJ Hamler who can really take the top off. He can remain healthy. This is one of the deepest 
offensive playmaker cores in the entire league. And it, it wouldn't shock me if they decide to bring back Melvin Gordon on a one-year deal as a, let's ride this now that we have everything in place from a cap point for money sand wise, you know, to combine, you know, run that back with them for try to, you know, for maybe a year, try to convince him to take a little bit less as he's familiar with the offense and then just have, you know, that, that entire offense would just be insane. And you can really see them push for the playoffs easily. Well, you can go ahead and just jump yeah. in whenever you well, want. Thoughts. We don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I am not normally the biggest Rush, Russell Wilson guy. Great player, elite quarterback, uh, but he, he just rubs me the wrong way for whatever reason. But I am all in on this move to Denver uh, because what I was saying earlier about Russ wants it to be about him. He has an ego. I think that's the the reason why I'm buying into Russell Wilson and the move. Of course, he's getting upgraded defense. Uh, the offensive line isn't great in Denver, but he's used to be, he's used to playing behind a bad offensive line. Uh, tremendous running back upgrade. The best running back, presumably, Russell Wilson will have since Marshawn Lynch. Uh, mm-hmm. receivers wise, I, I mean, I, I think they're pretty even, uh, in terms of the top two receivers, but in terms of overall depth, he gets an upgrade in Denver. You know, uh, arguably Tim Patrick, I, I'd put him up there with Jerry Judy until I see Jerry Judy do more. I, I think Tim Patrick, especially in fantasy for the price, yeah. is my number one receiver target there. The forgotten uh, Albert, oh, I, I mean, I, this is a complete personnel upgrade um, with the Denver Broncos. And because Russ wants it to be about him and think about all the criticism he's going to get uh, if this is a, a failure. I, I think Russ knows it has to work. I think he has it in him to make it work. So I, I'm all in on this move. And you have to sprinkle a little bit on Denver's Super Bowl odds right now. We yeah. could be looking at which. Can you imagine? So that was my cat just went after me. I scared him. It's okay. Uh, like, um, I thought you were just you really imagine, excited. Can you imagine if we get a Russell Wilson, Brett, uh, Brett, uh, Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl? Because now it can happen. And apparently they don't like each other. I wonder why. <laughs> but like, can you imagine that, that, you know, we get a Super Bowl with these two guys, two biggest moves in the off season that happens, you know, before the new league year even starts. I, I think that's uh would be terrific for the NFL and really, really great for the media. That's what they want. Who who would you guys rather have now? Let's talk about some of the playmakers too for, for Denver here. Obviously a big bump for Sutton and Judy, those are the two most talked about about pieces. Who would you rather have in Dynasty between those two? Sutton and Judy. Moving forward. I'd rather have, I think I'd rather have Sutton. He's proven with good quarterbacks. He flashed when he was with Locke, not Bridgewater. I think Wilson fits his style. We know Wilson's got the downfield shots. It's kind of why Seattle's receivers were mostly relevant. Uh, It's Sutton by a tick for me. Um, I'm also going to go with Cortland Sutton here. And again, nothing against Jerry Judy, but we haven't seen him really do it for me, or at least I, I haven't seen enough to take him over Cortland Sutton. Outside of injuries, I, I think Cortland Sutton has really flashed, even despite the poor quarterback play, uh, a little bit better than I've seen from Jerry Judy. Again, I I, I would put uh, Tim Patrick over Jerry Judy right now. 
Uh, at least that not, maybe not so much of my rankings uh, because of how we get graded on them. But in a draft, I, I'm 100% passing on Jerry Judy for Tim Patrick. But in terms of like Cortland Sutton, I, I, it's not even in the same conversation for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm the correct answer is Sutton, right? He gets he gets a quarterback that that is one of the best deep ball placers in the NFL. That's that that it's obviously aggressive and will take advantage of that. And it just helps open up the field even more. So Sutton, with a you know, you know with an aggressive quarterback like he had in Drew Lock, you know, for his second year when he broke out, um, it's Sutton by a mile too. And Judy, which which the crazy part is, I wouldn't be shocked if Judy is the one that gets the biggest bump. You know, you know, th- you know, you know, for rankings and for dynasty ADP, and 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 Sutton's going to be the one that I think it benefits the most from this. And and if he's going to you know, not be as much to get in in redraft uh, leagues. It's going to be even better, and and I agree with you know with Tim Patrick too. Really interested to see how the uh, how the rest of the playmakers you know fall in line. Albert O, uh, seeing his name just across all of Twitter, and 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 he's kind of reached that 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 massive value boom where he's almost becomes a selling dynasty because he, he himself hasn't prevented it. He's been injured himself too. And now he's probably third to fourth to fifth on the target pecking order. But as we said about tight ends, all they got to do is stay healthy to be a top 12. And if all can stay healthy and be, you know, that red zone guy, that outside the 20s guy for Wilson, that's going to see mismatches up and down the field. That there's, there's some good chances for him to have some boom weeks. Also, I think it's worth just throwing out there that Tim Patrick's going to be the best value he's the forgotten man in in all of this conversation it's kind of like tyler boyd was when jamar chase was drafted and while it may not be boom it's still a very usable piece on an, what should be an explosive offense on the cheap he will be value absolutely anything else on russ or i guess we had to talk to we haven't talked a lot about this so the other piece of this we got to touch on to cover it all Lockett and Metcalf. Um, assuming Drew Lock is a starter, because that's what we have to assume today. We don't know what they're going to do. Um, what does that do to DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett? Today, on this date, March 10th, 2022. <laughs> I mean, Metcalf was a great receiver with Geno Smith, and I don't see how that's any worse than their one Drew Lock, who helped unlock you know Sutton by by you know focusing in on him and as as one of his lone targets. Pun? What's that? Is that an intentional pun? Yes. Drew Lock yes, helped unlock. Help unlock, which is odd to say about Drew Lock. And then you know reports of potentially locking on the trading block as well. Mm. It feels like Metcalf is going to be a part of their second regime and, and lock it it's he's getting older in age is dispendable a bit and, and and not part of the three, four year plan that they're likely looking at. So Metcalf, even on, you know, what looks to be bad, he is, he shouldn't have moved down rankings much. You should be trying to target him now with his value going down. He's still hyper athletic, still a dominant deep threat. And Locke, if, if anything is going to force feed that he's going to say the words, fuck it. DK's down there somewhere. And if Seattle with a bad defense against those good offenses and, you know, in the, in the NFC West, they're going to have to throw the ball more. 
and you know garbage time is still worth as many points as regular time. So I want I want all the DK. Blake Bortles will agree with garbage time is as many points as regular time. <laughs> by the way, it made him a top twelve quarterback like you know two three years straight. So yeah, he loves garbage time. Anthony, anything on DK and Lockett? Um, you know who's Seattle's quarterback. And and that's what it's going to come down to for me. Um, Pete Carroll, seventy year old coach. I, I don't think this is a rebuild. I, I think there's a and there's obviously no like Andrew Luck or Joe Burrow in this draft. At least I don't think so. There's to not. where you can go up and, and get not. a plug and play. This screams, hey, we're going to make a play at Deshaun Watson. I, I think that's the. You can seriously link that because Deshaun also has no trade clause. I know he has so much hanging over his head, but if he's cleared up this Friday, um, all of a sudden he's the most valuable quarterback on the market. And we could be, and he's not, they're not trading to the, are, are they really dumb enough in Houston to trade into the Colts? I, I would hope not. No. Uh, but the Colts should at least be picking up the phone to try. But the, the other logical landing spot we think about uh, draft capital, it, it's Seattle. I, I think they're going to make a play for Deshaun Watson. And if you put uh, Deshaun in Seattle and all of his off-the-field stuff's behind him, we're once again talking about the Seahawks in a Super Bowl conversation. Again, it's one of the easiest paths. I mean, they uh, the playoffs right now. They moved the on NFC. from Bobby Wagner's contract, too. I mean, Deshaun has a big number, I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm holding on to my hope that it's Drew Locke because I won't let that dream die. For no, he is. He is. Uh, he's one of the three left. True Locke truthers. And Matt Hicks is one of the other ones. Oh, uh, man, you guys. Ugh. It's all right, though. I do Soon it enough. So Anthony, you're all ton and cheeky. About it. I do fun. it. I do it ironically because that's just kind of a thing. It didn't happen. It wasn't ironic at first with like. Lock and Bortles and a few others, and then it just kind of became a thing that they. I have a type, I guess, and my type is <laughs> my type is not very good. Um, uh, Deshaun Watson, criminal sexual misconduct case presented to a grand jury Friday. More to come on that based on the results, as we talked about. He's yeah. very sought after, a lot hanging over him. Um, that'll either ramp those up and get a lot of momentum there, or kill it. Bills, we should. Should quickly have about, about Noah fan. Okay, double back. Two. Yeah, sure. yeah. Sorry, I, I know I was ready to be done. Well, then fine. We'll just move on. Noah fan's a tight end that has an elite skill set that hasn't broke out yet, and he's going to go to Seattle where the volume should be there, and he'll be third in the pecking order. And I don't know that that moves him that much, honestly. Yet, that's just my opinion. Oh, that's fine. No offense, still no offense. <laughs> What's your opinion? That is my opinion. Okay, no offense, still no offense. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. What well, you said, he's not yeah. somebody else. He's not suddenly like. I mean, I I would hope not. Like he's not gonna take off his mask. He's not suddenly like, 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 Jimmy, like a character from the Scooby Doo show. He's not suddenly like Jimmy Klein saucer or anything. Hey hey, don't you fucking smirk, Jimmy Klein saucer, Mister? Mm. I, I can't leap, but I always try to leap over not, people. Not Dennis Pitta. And all of a sudden, he still <laughs> has his hips. Oh. Okay, good. Awesome. What has Noah fan shown us to, to give him all the hype that we give? He's he's super athletic. He's a tight end that's the a, type of athletic, you know and that's I, all I you can bet on. I would say to make it in the NFL, you have to be pretty damn athletic. Well, tight end... I, I never... I said, I don't, I, don't get, I don't get it sometimes. Tight I, end, I really don't. With tight ends, it's basically this. 
there's a type when if you when we drill down into it that basically says hyper athletic tight ends are the ones that can separate themselves from the bunch and tight ends typically at least have a better chance at breaking out later, which is what makes us quit them less. And the only thing you have to latch onto with tight ends outside of the garbage that's at the position is a boatload of athleticism and Pat Fryer myth. So, <laughs> well, that and you know if. It, you know, if they show some, you know, some production in college, trying to predict tight ends, it, it, it's pretty fucking difficult compared to other yeah. positions. It's because the transition from college to pros is up there with quarterback and just trying to teach these hyper athletic tight ends or these move tight ends or just tight ends that, that have won because there's nobody else who, you know, to compete them with to block and to learn blocking assignments and then to now play up against elites, you know, D line and safeties right. and linebackers. So it just, it takes them a longer time to, you know, to produce. That's why guys like Kittle and Pitts, it's so impressive when they break out as early as they do. Um, also, while we're still talking about guys like Fant and Ingram, even OJ Howard, OJ <laughs> Howard is Irv Smith, David Irv Njoku, Smith, all these Irv tight ends Smith. that just got fucking franchise tagged. That Dude, the, it's these guys that still have a chance from a dynasty perspective. If you're looking for lottery tickets, you're looking yeah. for lottery tickets. You're looking for upside and athleticism and tight ends is upside. And that's about all you got. It's, it's not often you find a floor guy that's going to be consistent for a lot of years, like an aforementioned Dennis Pitta was or, mm-hmm. or, um, like a Heath Miller back in the day or Jack Doyle rest in peace. Uh, rip rip Doyle. Um, and plus know, Friar Muth and Dalton Schultz are probably the closest thing we have to that right now of that like solid floor. <laughs> remember C day CJ Fedorowicz. I do yes. remember CJ Fedorowicz as a name. He had 12 concussions. Yeah. Oh God. It's sad. I'm pretty solid sure. fantasy guy for a couple weeks though. Yeah, he was floor guy. That's what I mean. They they just always emerge. They come out of nowhere. It's like herpes. Cole Beasley. <sighs> Bills granted him a permission to seek, seek a trade. Speaking of floor guys with actual upside and hyper-athleticism, Dawson Knox. Because that's what I was banking on was Beasley not being there for Knox's, tar- Knox's target volume to go up and match his touchdown production. I don't think anyone's... I, I don't think anyone would be shocked if Beasley leaves. Like I, I think that was a forgotten... A foregone conclusion I'll at this point. I'll be shocked point. if he finds a trade partner. Yeah. <laughs> right. What's the market for a 33-year-old regressing slot receiver? The Jets? Dallas uh, might need another one. Well, that could Go be. back. That could be. It'll be a late August. It'll be a late August edition. He'll get cut by the team that signs him this offseason. And then he'll latch on to some other team, like a parasite that he is. Um, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz traded to the Washington Commanders along with a second round pick for a second round pick and a conditional third rounder that becomes a second rounder if he plays 75% of his snaps. It sounds familiar. Um, It's like a lesser Matthew Stafford deal. Commanders take on, well, and it's the same criteria that it was in his Colts trade. Commanders take on uh, Wentz's contract. Now on his third team in as many years. Colts are on their fifth starting quarterback since Andrew Luck abruptly retired. Uh, thanks, Colts, for ruining Andrew Luck for all of us. So, or sorry, fourth. I guess Luck is one of the five. So, um, also, 
this came out. This is pretty athletic because I like to give credit. Over the course of the year, some were going frustrated with the, what they deemed a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, and a reckless style of play, which had a role in several close losses. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, thank you, Roto World or NFL Edge for the commentary there. Quarterback who learned he was the quarterback who learned he was on shaky ground with the organization over the last month reached out to owner Jim Ursay in hopes of setting up a meeting to clear the air. Ursay declined. <laughs> it's the exact kind of things that were said about Wentz in his final days in Philadelphia. Frankly, sounds unpleasant to work with. It's impossible to see how this will work in the league's most dysfunctional organization. Best of luck, quote, Commanders fans, end quote. Wow. <laughs> this is good. There's end. just so much revealing in that paragraph uh, that I had to include I, it. I'm actually really happy that he's going to Washington. It's such a trash franchise because of the owners. And and it, we get to watch now Washington fans try to root for the one guy that they fucking hated like two years ago. Is this bad for Wentz, uh, since Rivera will probably use his mobility a little more? No, this is actually good for Wentz's fan. I mean, he's not going to move up higher, but I mean, he'll have his Pittman and McLaurin. I think the floor he'll comes have up his, a bit. But yeah. You know, I have his hyper-athletic running back in, in Gibson, too. So, But the, you, do you guys think this is going to help? Because for years, the fantasy community is like, well, all Terry McLaurin needs is a quarterback. Right? Is this not a lateral move? It's a lateral move. I mean, he's got to be McLaurin. better than Heineke. I mean... At least the offense should look more productive. McLaurin, I mean, at times, Wentz... McLaurin dipped last year uh, with Heineke, though, compared to what he'd done with every other quarterback he'd been with. He he did dip last year with Heineke, so I think maybe marginal, but... This is either... To me, this is going to go one way or the other. This is either going to really help Antonio Gibson and hurt McLaurin or really help McLaurin and hurt Gibson. One of the two are going to have their breakout year with Wentz. It's just a matter of how are they going to run this offense. I just felt that I think it, both are going to be fine. It I, just if it just if Gibson can get a, you know, a lot of the checkdown work, Wentz obviously coming off of his injuries is may not be as mobile as and Rivera may not want him to be as mobile. I think it helps Logan Thomas. Mm. Well, he's got a wow. I like late, that. Late season injury, unfortunately. Hopefully, he comes back in in time. If it doesn't help, then it helps Samus Reyes, who's the random John depth. Betts or nope. John Bates. Who's a random Commanders tight end? <laughs> I hitched myself too late last year. <laughs> I think it was Samus Reyes. Um, anyway, I know they tie. They have a lot of money tied up in Logan Thomas. Anyway, they they you know bring in uh, Zach Ertz, reunite could, him with Wentz could on be. a cheap one year deal. Might very, be. Very, I mean, yeah. The NFC East is still kind of open, you know, from a division winning yeah. standpoint. It's not like I I know you're a Cowboys fan, that but does, it, yeah, it doesn't insult me. No. <laughs> and also just, you know, wild card spots there. I mean, Washington was in the playoffs, you know, two years ago. What, six and ten. So I think basically it just it, comes, anything can happen in that division, I'll just say that. Yeah, I think basically it comes down to I want whoever their tight end is. Because the other thing with McLaurin too, remember, is that McLaurin was an outlier prospect. I'll just I'll just say McLaurin's not somebody a lot of us looked at and said this guy's going to produce at the NFL level. Mm. And then he did the first couple of years with bad quarterbacks. Then he regressed last year with a lot of attention on him and a not great quarterback. So I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking this move moves the needle for me on McLaurin at all. And I, uh, I 
got out on McLaurin at the end of last year. So I don't hate it. I mean, it, it's Wentz has has made these outside clasher guys, you know, respectable for fantasy and Jeffrey and and Pittman and McLaurin's going to play that same role. Who's also, I mean, he's still a very athletic outside, you know, outside guy. And if if Wentz should have a better arm, especially better deep ball than you know than Heineke, and if Rivera can kind of help, you know, tame that down. Maybe we will. At least we'll know that McLaurin's not going to cost as what he's cost the last couple of years, especially for redraft. If you don't no, like he him, should there's going to be other guys in that range. He's still going to be a good value. Yes, should be more of a value. And I think that they add something else to that offense, too. It could be, a, like you mentioned, Anthony, a deal for Zach Ertz and an upgrade it for a, a more healthy tight end. It could be another receiver uh, opposite. McLaurin, which they're desperately missing. I know people are going to hate that because what about Curtis Samuel, who's the ultimate? What has he ever done? But he had like three a three week stretch where his target volume was good. That's it. So just got to. I think they'll do something else. He if just stay healthy. If not, then yeah. I mean, they don't have anybody else there. So yeah, just like Damian Brown has done anything either. Stay healthy and then you know like be be productive or something. You know, do something. <laughs> All right, some tag tracking. J.C. Jackson will be a free agent. Quandre Diggs will be a free agent. Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, Dalton Schultz, Mike Gusecki, David Njoku, and Jesse Bates all tagged. Um, Wait. Oh, yeah, Jesse Bates. I'm sorry. I'm, th- I'm sitting there thinking of John Bates again. I'm like, what the fuck? No. A lot of tight ends it's getting tagged. All though. the tight ends. Is that surprising to anybody or no? So I was listening to the uh, this Decision decision Point uh, podcast on an Adiri Mike. Matt Kelly's show, um, you know, points it out beautifully. It, it it's the value of tight ends costs to what they may get on the open market if they are trying to get that wide receiver money. Tight ends are obviously worth less from a top five point. So franchise tagging them is actually a value move, especially for guys like Njoku and Gaseki and and potentially Schultz, who may see a higher mm. salary cap tied to them. Um, you can retain them for cheaper. I still hate the fucking Browns for taking Joku though. I wanted him, I wanted him to leave and get him away to a franchise that's willing to use him the way that he should be used. I want to throw this out there to you guys. I, I know it's a, a little bit off topic. Uh, do you guys see any possibility? Because we're seeing all these splash moves. And we saw it last year with the Julio Jones trade. And I kind of tweeted about it. A Matt Ryan deal this offseason. Yeah, I just talked to the think If you think of all the teams that need a quarterback and what's out there, and we already said that there's no plug-and-play guy in this draft, and like a team like the Steelers or maybe the Saints – uh, who think they're a quarterback away? Matt Ryan's that guy that 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 is you know there there a lot of the money is tied up and they're gonna have to maneuver that. But look, you know Wentz was moved and he had his guaranteed money. So the, these teams and general managers can make it work. Uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo, Watson, and and you know if they're you know uh, signed or let's say uh Garoppolo's traded and let's say the the bad stuff the worst case scenario happens with Watson all of a sudden Matt Ryan's value uh in a trade would be the highest it would ever be uh, again 
Yeah, I think it does. When the Wentz trade went down, a coworker that's a Colts fan messaged me, and we were talking options. And Matt Ryan's a name that a name that came up is a potential trade candidate, and you know it makes sense. The Falcons, you know, outside of Kyle Pitts, don't really have any pieces. They're full rebuild. You have an aging quarterback, where you know they need they need draft capital. They're not going to get another window out of Matt Ryan. It just it's just so puzzling what they did last draft. Yeah, taking Pitts. It, it, you know, to me, them taking Pitts said, okay, they're going to try to go after this division. And then uh, a couple weeks later, oh, we're trading Julio Jones. What? Yeah. We're trading Julio it's, Jones, and then Ridley steps away, and they're left with Olamides Zacchaeus playing a starting receiver spot. And, oh, I bought into him so bad this season. It was bad. It, it, I apologize. It was bad. <laughs> and, it happens to the best of us. It does. And, and you're just, there's nothing. <laughs> it, and uh, This is a good time to reset the QB landscape, so on a larger scale, right? Right. Who is available? That's one thing that I wanted to talk about on this show with all the moves. So who is who is still available? You've got Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston in free agency. I think are the the hot four right there. Right. You've got um so you're running down the list here. Aaron Rodgers hasn't officially signed yet, but I'm for the intents of this conversation, he's not available. Matt Ryan should be available. Um for the Panthers, I don't think anybody's calling on Sam Darnold, but I'd imagine if they did, he would be available. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, we know for sure, is available. Derek Carr should be available. We haven't mm, heard the Raiders say know. he is, but he very much should he be. He absolutely needs to be. Av- the Raiders would be fucking dumb to not try mm-hmm. to rebuild, though. Uh, Gardner Minshew and Jordan Love are backups that you have to imagine are available right now. Um, and then Deshaun Watson. And... You know, I guess if somebody wanted to swing a, a ball bat towards the Ravens, Tyler Huntley. You guys so, like Tyler? I love Tyler. I like Tyler. I think he's great as a backup. He, I don't see much of him beyond that, but I think he's a great fit in that backup role behind Jackson as a as their insurance. Is there anything to these Colin Kaepernick uh, rumors coming out? Or is this just, uh, hey, you know, I have another documentary coming out. Maybe. It's just the off season, and they always <laughs> yeah. happen. I mean, it, I, I've just chalked up that to the fact that it, it won't happen. But yeah, probably not. You know, but that, I will say, I will say about Matt Ryan. I don't think Atlanta moves him if the Panthers don't get Watson. Mm-hmm. Look at. The NFC South is literally the worst landscape for quarterbacks right now. It's Ryan, true. Darnold, Kyle Trask, and, uh, and but maybe Jameis. We don't know. Right now, it's Taysom Hill and Ian Book. Yeah, Atlanta uh, had already botched up their rebuild from last year by taking Pitts when both Fields and Mack were on board. Uh, they made the odd decision to trade Julio, thinking that really wasn't going to step away, which you would think that there'd be some rumblings to that prior to that, just given how you want to be in tune with your, you know, you know, with your players on your team. I don't think Atlanta trades Matt Ryan. I think Atlanta is actually going to make the fool's goal attempt to go all in, not really go all in, but to make a run at a playoff run. Cause well, you know, like the NFC East uh, two years ago, a six and team, a six and 11, five and 12 team, or not five and 12, uh, seven and ten team might make the might win that division this year. Well, and you make a good point because I look at that and I'm like, but 
would you try to prolong that when his trade value is as high as it could ever be with that many teams needing quarterbacks to to make the playoffs when you don't have a prayer at coming out? And then I look at the rest of the NFC, and I don't even know that you could say that if they just rebuilt the retooled the offense, not even the defense, if they just retooled the offense, that they wouldn't have a prayer of coming out because. I mean, it's basically the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Cardinals, Rams, Packers. Cowboys, and Packers have the most firepower in the division. And that's it's it, a very weak conference right now. It, 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 it is it's so very weak. It's god awful, especially now with Wilson gone and Wentz. Kirk Cousins is the what fifth best quarterback, fourth best quarterback in that conference. Kirk Cousins. Behind Rodgers, Ryan, Stafford, Murray. I think Cousins is ahead of Ryan. I would Dak. put Cousins ahead of Ryan. Dak. Dak, Dak yeah. yeah. So Dak, Dak, Wilson, or I'm sorry, Dak, Murray, and Rodgers and Stafford. So yeah, Cousins Stafford. is your fifth best quarterback. Yeah, debatable. 5A, 5B. I get what you're yeah. saying, though. Yeah. Anyway, uh, teams that still need quarterbacks and just throw a name <laughs> a out here if you think that's where... if. You think this is where they're going to go? And I'm going to throw out, as I've done most of the offseason, teams that need a quarterback and teams that bring could bring somebody in to compete. Um, so we'll start with the NFC. The Giants need to bring somebody in to compete with Daniel Jones. Agreed? Yeah, it'll be or, Trubisky. I think it's Trubisky. Yeah. Brian Dabble fit. Liked him last year. It's going to happen. Um, the NFC North is set. The rest of the NFC East, I think, is set. Agreed? I can see Cousins. There's rumblings that he's on the block, and oh. just given what what other quarterbacks have gotten, you may see Minnesota it who wants to relieve cap. What I'm saying is, is I'm looking at who needs a quarterback right now, right? And okay. unless the Vikings sure. move him, they're not going to bring somebody in to compete with him or to no, try to fill right. him. So then you're right. Yep. Uh, the Panthers are in need. They're tied to Watson. Um, I don't know what they do. I, I I don't see them bringing in a... I mean, maybe Jameis, if they're looking to bring somebody in off the street. Maybe Along they with take, drafting somebody, potentially. I, yeah, I think maybe Garoppolo uh, is a part of that. Now, if if they can't get Watson, maybe they try to make a run for Ryan, but I can't see an interdivision yeah, trade happening. I'm assuming if they don't... I'm assuming that just because of what I've seen from the legal analysts out there, uh, particularly the one you retweeted, tweeted Dan. I feel bad. I can't remember his name. He does a good job. Drew of something. It out. Yeah, he's great. Davenport. Job. Yeah, Drew Davenport. Davenport. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think that there will be an indictment tomorrow. I don't. I don't think that. You know, how much further than that does it go? I don't know. But I think there will be an indictment tomorrow, which doesn't clear the Watson roadblocks. So then, what do the Panthers do if Watson's still hanging in limbo? I agree. I think that they draft somebody, and then does do you just keep Darnold to compete with whoever you draft, or do you bring somebody else in too and and keep the quarterbacks in the roster with you know a, a, a Jameis Winston or a Mariota or you know something? I don't see them bringing Bridgewater back. Somebody in free agency. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's I one expect or the them other. to. Keep, I expect them to keep Darnold with them picking up his fifth year and and just given. I mean, I don't know how much money they would save by cutting them. So I would assume if they if they can't land 
a Watson or maybe even a Garoppolo that they'll they'll spend that that first round pick on 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 who the top quarterback on their board is. You know, I, I, did, did you guys see the rumor about Christian McCaffrey being traded or at least on yeah. the block? Yeah, um, I'm not surprised. In, in the event that they move Christian McCaffrey, if I'm the Panthers, I'm trying to take somebody into the draft uh, and, and build for the future, or I'm getting another bridge guy if they don't like this year. Let's say they like the 220, uh, 2023 class better mm-hmm. and, and almost like kind of just tanking because there, there's really, outside of Deshaun Watson, there's nobody that can probably step in there and take that franchise uh, anywhere to save Matt Rule's job. I, I think no. this is a, one of those mulligan years, and they're going to blow it up. They, they, I mean, it's just not good there. Well, and I think if that's they what should. they decide to do, they don't sign another bridge deal. He's already on their roster, and it's Darnold. I think they just hold on to the cap space and roll with him if yeah. they decide that you know, they're not going to take somebody in the draft. They like next year's class better, and they just want to roll with it. I think that they just stand pat at that point. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Uh, the Saints need a quarterback. The Bucs need a quarterback, as we just talked about. Uh, <laughs> Saints apparently still in on on Winston. Um, they need to draft somebody desperately. Guy, like their their whole situation seems like their offense is on the verge of needing a massive rebuild, and their defense is still very good, but it's starting to age out. It's kind of like a worse bear situation at this point. Where they don't have their franchise quarterback and they're clinging to an open division to where God, like even a Winston, you know, may do enough to, you know, to put them in the playoff race for 80% of the season next year and potentially even get it. And then they have to try to retain Michael Thomas, which I don't think they're going to do. And Kamara's been linked to trade rumors as well. And, and at this point, it'd be smart for them to get out of him at this point, anyways. Especially given his own legal issues. Um, oh yeah, it, it, yeah, 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 that, that. yeah, yeah, right. That's how fucked up the offseason's been so far. We forget about Camara. Um, it, it's Saints are in a really bad spot. Sean Payton leaving. Obviously, you know who knows what the quarterback future looks like, and but you, you have a wide open division right now, and, which is why I think they have to quick retool. Which is why you bring back Jameis, draft a wide receiver, and roll. You have to retool without trying to fuck up your future. Right. And, and, you know, the allure of, of having an easy path to the playoffs, even if you don't look like a Super Bowl contender, is, is very much there because, you know, fans and PR, you know, you know, all the money that's made, you know, do it's they, very tough to want to tank. It's very, very tough to tank. Do they have the personnel to just a quick retool and make the playoffs, even in that division? Like, you know, Teron Armstead's a free agent. Marcus Williams on the back end's a free agent. Um, you have Kamara. You don't know Michael Thomas's future. And outside of my, like, like, they don't really have much else at wide receiver. So we got a glimpse into Michael what's Thomas's their, what's future. What's their tight end? Uh, tight end is Troutman. But you, so you got a little glimpse into Michael Thomas's future when they restructured his contract, I think. I okay. don't think that that restructure happens if he's cutting or getting cut or, or not coming back. Um, we'll find out more, obviously, but they did restructure his deal. So, you know, okay. I don't think that restructure happens if he's gone. And that's why I think that they do. If you have Michael Thomas and you have Alan Kamara, you have a wide receiver one, you have an RB one. 
Um, you've got a defense that even if you lose a key piece of your secondary, right? We just said that JC Jackson and some other guys are hitting free agency. Um, I think that they probably can retool with an offensive piece or two and bringing back Jameis and have the defense be good enough to come out of that division at least. Um, but you're right. If you're going to retool on the fly, you got to do it without wagering your future. So whatever you do, you might be able to retool and compete now in that division, but you also need to have an eye towards the future when you do it, which means that you put Jameis on a bridge deal because you don't want to waste that defensive window. So you put Jameis on a bridge deal. You bring in a complimentary piece to Camara, a real one, be it through draft or otherwise. And you get another wide receiver to go to go with Michael Thomas. Um, get an outside guy, and you roll with it. And I think that they can be competitive. And I don't think you have to wager the future to do it if you're the Saints, because the defense is what makes them that close to being able to retool, even with losing a key piece in the second. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Tampa Bay is another interesting one that's losing a lot of key pieces. Um, they. Tag Godwin, late season injury though, so he may not be ready to go immediately. Gronk is free agent. Um, Ali Marpet retired, one of their guards. Uh, still a a good defense, a good young defense. Um, I thought you know Arians has already come out and said that Jameis back to Tampa would not be the best move for the quarterback. So there's a Fuck lot. Fuck you, Arians. Yeah, Fuck you. So there's a lot of what does. <laughs> what does Tampa Bay do? And again, it, it's a bad year to have a weak quarterback class because I don't know what Tampa Bay does. They got to trade for somebody there. There's like, no one in this class that's going to move the needle enough. And they have probably the best set of playmakers on offense than any other, you know, than any other teams in the NFC South. So trying for? to make a blue for like, you know, you could see them, Trying to make a move for Garoppolo again. That's who I was I thinking. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's trying to, you know, if there's going to be eventual links to try to get Matt Ryan, you know, guy. It, it, it's all about it. Once one of these teams make, a, you know, makes a move for a quarterback, I think it's going to set in stone what the future, what the divisional trade for look, divisional yeah, trade for Ryan. Though that's where that gets complicated. Yeah, it, it just it, it's. I think I think I think these teams are waiting for one of the other ones to make a play. Like whether it be Watson or Garoppolo or or we wait till free agency to see where Winston lands, you know, where Trubisky these guys go to, and then maybe we start to see some of these other moves within this division start to play or take more shape. Because right now it's it's so open. Mm-hmm. You would think Tampa Bay would be, you know, it, in the market for a quarterback is they look at this division like like Atlanta does, like since or, or like the Saints uh, uh, and like the Panthers do, and say we could take this division easily. Sure, it's, it's just, just who's going to be the most aggressive. Who you're going to get because they're yeah. already out on the what I would assume to be the best quarterback in free agency. So they're not picking high enough in the draft to get a guy that's going to be NFL ready. I mean, like, I don't like, we won't get into the prospects and where Kyle Trask ranks among them right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's another team that I don't know what they do. And I'm very interested to see. 
Uh, my bet, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's my bet. Return home, baby. Yep. Because, you know, I think home frame is like half the league. <laughs> yep. It is. And the 49ers with Garoppolo being on the move, but that hasn't happened yet. Could potentially be in. He's one of the guys that could be filling a role. Other teams that are looking for quarterback help right now. Uh, Colts, obviously, we talked about them already. Steelers, um, I think a lot of people expect them to just try to get one in the draft. But like you said, they're another team that's defensive ready and offensive playmaker ready. I want Jameis to the Steelers. That's that's what I want to see is Jameis Winston to the Steelers because I think there's a lot of big Ben similarities in his prime with the arm strength, the size, and the you know kind of ability to move in the pocket and push balls downfield. I think that, that Jameis has some big Ben traits. Yeah, I like to see what Pittsburgh does. I mean, I don't, I don't like Pittsburgh, but from a fantasy standpoint, given what they have there, uh, that'd be one of my that like that's the one team I'm looking forward to see who they they land and and what that's going to make up for and what the, what that's going to look like for your playmakers around them, you know, Deontay and and Claypool and you know Firemuth and uh, and Najee. Yep. Any thoughts on the Steelers, Anthony? Uh, see, uh, quarterback-wise, I, I kind of had it, my co-host, Mike Hoff, was actually the first one on this. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's, I, I've seen that, too. I, I absolutely yeah. love the move because Pittsburgh, to me, they're certainly a team that could probably plug and play at the quarterback position. They have the personnel. Um you know, their offensive line needs to get reestablished. They no longer are the unit that they were a few years ago. They lost pieces. Guys retired. I know uh, Villanueva was playing for the Ravens last year. He just retired. Yep. Uh, so they have some work to do an offensive line, but they still have really, really good offensive weapons. And, of course, a ton of pieces on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, maybe you get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo there. Uh, I, I like more of a Jimmy Garoppolo or, um, you know, more of a, you know, a Matt Ryan to Pittsburgh than I do somebody more mobile. So I guess Jameis Winston can fit. I don't know. I, I'm just not a big Winston guy. But he did matter. To me, he was a game manager in New Orleans, and maybe that's the best Jameis that uh, we're going to see and from an NFL perspective. Yeah, it's not great in fantasy, but if, if Jameis Winston doesn't have to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Uh, all of a sudden, he's not making all those mistakes. And they have a good enough defense in Pittsburgh to bail Jameis Winston out if he does make a mistake. So that might not be the worst move considering the current quarterback landscape. No, he had LASIK. That that was the reason that he was better, is he had LASIK. Oh. That's <laughs> sarcasm, I hope. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And he, has, and he has probably the greatest workout drills ever. Yeah, they just uh, look so nice. Like it makes no fucking sense. It's like, all right, it's gonna work for him. Excellent motivational <laughs> speeches. <laughs> Eating W's, man. A to W. Um, now I, I, I could see it. I think that the best version of Jameis we haven't seen yet. This is the wow. shtick, right? But it's really because it, it, it's a shtick, which is usually something I kind of believe, but ramped up to eleven. And what I believe it's is just that how he does about quarterbacks. He just he just always loves them too. It's just what I believe with Jameis is that if he can take what he learned being a game manager in New Orleans with those reins, and then fold that into what he was doing in Tampa, you're going to get the best version of, of Jameis if he can somehow merge those two things. 
and merge some of that reserved and know when to turn which one on, I think you're going to get a best version of Jameis. And I think that he needed somebody to put the reins on him, which is not an Arians thing to do. Arians will let anybody freaking go. Um, that you're going to see that balance out a little bit in the right situation. Now, Pittsburgh, I think, is a good situation. I think from an NFL perspective, you're right. They can lean on Najee Harris. They can lean on that defense. They don't need a quarterback. The luxury Jameis gives you is if you do need a quarterback with a big arm to try to win you a game, he has it, unlike some of these other guys like Bridgewater. And Garoppolo. And Garoppolo. Um... Yeah, okay. We want to talk Miami or anything. Let's move on. Um, have we have we talked enough quarterbacks? I think we've uh I think we've given all the quarterbacks. All right. Um yeah, retirements via Dwayne and Jack Doyle. Let's do a beer review and then we'll talk rookies for like ten minutes before we go home. Yes. <laughs> beer review. Dan, go ahead. All right. Again, I, I am drinking Breckenridge's Nitro Irish Stout. This clock's at 4.8%. For those of you that may not know, Nitro kind of uh, takes with the carbonation and it helps to really soften and bring out kind of the uh, the fluffiness of, of these. Creamy. Not fluffy. Creamy. The creaminess of these. So you get good head retention. Um, you get the fun cascade if it's got the ball inside. Um, but that being an Irish stout, uh, it's already a, a fairly light compared to other stouts, a little drier, um, used to, you know, more of, of, uh, of the traditional European bitter hops. Um, and then the malt wise. So if you like, if you like Guinness, you're obviously going to like the style of beer. Um, as I'm drinking mine out of a Guinness glass, no less. Um, Is that on purpose. Well, yeah, because it's, you know, Guinness glasses are fit, you know, for nitro. And with nitro, you have to hard pour. Otherwise, you're not going to get the full effect. Yeah, because you won't get the, that nice little head. You won't get the nice little head. Sometimes it can come out even more flat. So, um, again, if you like Irish stouts, if you like the style of beer, if you like Guinness, um, Breckenridge should, should be available in most states and not all states. So, all right. Maplewood. Uh, Maplewood's dark check. Lager. So a dark check lager is a lager, but it's dark. You couldn't tell from the name. Um, <laughs> yes. The way that they get it dark, it's uh, usually a Pilsner malt base. It's done at lager temps, uh, but darker malt in it. Uh, being Czech, the reason it's Czech is the noble the noble hops that are used. So like Saz, for example, um, some of those you know German European hops that have kind of those really earthy, unique tones, and then um, you know, your malts are mostly going to be like Bohemian malts, so Munich, Vienna, things like that, or what's going to give it that dark note. Um, overall for the beer, um, you get the body of a, of a lager. It, it's light, but it's flavorful. Uh, it's got a lot of the toasty notes that you come to expect out of your European malts. So a lot of toasty, a lot of bread. Um, as far as the flavor get, well, I was on the flavor, a lot of toasty, a lot of bread. Dark malts kind of come out in that manner, give just a little bit of like a bitter dark chocolate bite to it. Overall, it's really easy drinking beer. Very crushable. Uh, check dark pilsner or lagers and pilsners 
are uh, probably my favorite style that I've found. You do get some bitterness from the hops I found in the last two years. You do get some bitterness from the hops off of this and a little bit of earthy earthy tones from them. Uh, so, yeah, like most Maplewood beers, it's incredible. Yep. All right. Um, all right, we'll probably just do this this way. Um, we'll go position by position, just kind of each, you know, if there's a guy that's stock up, stock down, we'll round table and talk about him. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, my stock up from the combine. Uh, so I'll give a, a nod to Desmond Ritter because I'm pretty sure somebody else is going to talk Malik Willis. So. I'll give a nod to Desmond Ritter. He clocked in at uh, the best 40 time of any quarterback. Um, I th- think that what I've read is that in the interview process, he was impressive with his, uh, you know, his makeup, his knowledge, his film breakdown, which is really why quarterbacks are hard to evaluate because you don't get a lot out of the athleticism. You get a lot of it out of college productivity and then what happens in, in meetings. Um, you know, Ritter's one of a big group of maybes. He's he's highly athletic. The film did leave a little bit to be desired. The college productivity and the body of work is very good. Um, and, you know, people could have him really probably rated anywhere from three to seven, realistically, and still be fine. Uh, but I think that, you know, the athletic workout backed out what you saw in film. It's going to give you some nice rushing floors. The NFL moves towards mobile quarterbacks. Um, so... Yeah, I think he probably helped his draft stock a bit there. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you at all with this. Ritter ran the ninth fastest 40 time, I believe, recorded for quarterbacks since the combine started. Um, and, and, it, and with positive interview remarks, that could help him be one of the quarterbacks that, that gets traded up for, a la Lamar Jackson style, where one of these court, one of these teams, one of these French needy quarterback teams that didn't get who they wanted uh, wants to have that fifth year option, wants to have that, you know, that flexibility. And with Ritter, who fits the, you know, the, you know, the running style mold of today's quarterbacks, um, you know, he's obviously a great value for fantasy, especially if he gets day one capital. It's going to make him rise up even higher and, and make him easily draftable, you know, in the high end of the super flex traps right up there. I mean, not to the degree of Malik Willis, because Willis is going to likely get top 10 to top 15 DC and be a potential week one starter um, where Ritter might be the value though. If he can get that run one capital and get a team invested, investing in him, you know, to that degree, all of all these quarterbacks, you just get, you just get a drafted in the first round and that generally guarantees at least one or two years of starts. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody where you just jumping on Ritter too? Do you have anybody that you thought helped themselves? Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go on, go on. Okay, I will. Uh, Christian Watson, I think, is one of the biggest winners. Hardcore athletic. Is it Christian Watson? No standouts. A wide receiver. Uh, a cri- yeah. Oh, are we just doing quarterbacks? Yeah, or going position, doing position by position, oh. God. God get, damn it! Get I with it. Listened. Pay attention when I talk. Good. I. It's Ritter. Then. Okay. Yeah. I don't think any of the quarterbacks outside of him really hurt or helped their stock too much. I mean, Willis was like Ritter had a you know very positive in interview remarks um, and got caught being a good human being on game. Yeah, got so. caught being a good yeah, which never hurts. So I think that just solidified him going top ten. Positive workout than, remarks on Willis. Yeah, 
yeah so there's no hurt to him he didn't run obviously because he didn't need to we all know he's very fast and athletic so anthony thoughts on quarterbacks in the combine um i'm not a big combine guy like uh like, like you guys um the only one that really stuck out to me is that is that wide receiver and that's somebody who may have hurt their stock Okay. Usually, I defer to draft guys for draft content. Sure, we'll get there, and we try to be draft guys. I will say this about the combine uh, for how we use it, and this is worth noting for anybody that's tuning into our draft content, which is really what we get up for, and the reason we keep doing this. Like anytime yeah. I've thought about quitting, it's like no, but I still want to do the draft content. That's the reason right. I I don't. I'll feel that way about about January, and then I'm just like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we have draft seasons right around the corner, and this is where. This is, yeah, this is a bread and butter. Like that with free agents. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm also the same. I, I love seeing the chaoticness of, yeah. so, especially with more trades happening too now. So how we use the combine is this: Dan does a lot of statistical analysis, uh, deep dives that. I do a hybrid model between stats and film. And what I'm using the combine for is I'm using the combine to solidify what I think I'm seeing. If I think a guy uh-huh. is doesn't have burst, is not athletic, um, doesn't have speed, and then they go out and run a four, I don't know, we'll just throw a number out there, four six. Um, that's going to back me up at the running back position, for example. That's going to back up what I saw. If I go out and think that and they run a four four, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's just game speed. Maybe I didn't see that right. Maybe I need to go back and watch a little more. The combine is not a tool that I form a lot of opinions on. The combine is a tool that I use to lock in okay. a lot of opinions or determine yeah. if I need to go back and look at the other data I use to make a decision, maybe, and adjust. So it, it's a tool in the toolbox, but it, it doesn't hold a candle to film evaluation and statistical evaluation and using NFL, you know, the last 10 years of drafted players for success baselines and everything and what they do yeah for me it just helps complete the profile from athletic i i i I will always defer film analysis to my esteemed co-host and then to the you know to the people within our our dynasty space who who spend all year doing this and i'll piggyback off what they say to kind of help build my own expectations for these these prospects so i'll I get a little more excited because I get to finally fill out my profiles on these guys a little bit more. But mm-hmm. um, the combine is obviously is what we don't have a chance to see. And that's the interview stuff. I think it's even more important. I just want to hear. I want to get as much glimpses into their mental makeup as mm-hmm. I possibly can, because mm-hmm. that's not something that we can track. Yeah. And it, it, it's something that it's, it's obviously it's so, it's can so completely destroy too. a prospect. What's that? It's so important. It is like you can see. What we think is clear, you know, elite prospects to kill Harry, and then we don't get to see what happens between the years until potentially draft night when they start to slide down the boards, and by that point, it might be too late. All right, let's talk running back for a second. Uh, Dan, we'll let you start. Anybody who helped their draft stock at running back, and I think I know the answer to this one. Rashad White. (laughs) Rashad White probably the most. Because of the top of the board that that sucked, and outside of obviously Holland Walker, we're looking for somebody a lot behind him. Yeah, a, a lot of the middle guys. I mean, some tested better than others, but White's with his complete with his box off and profile size, 
speed, athleticism. He had a great final year. Tyler Beatty's um, a guy that's well, there's right, in that they, regard yeah. to me. Um, yeah, it, it's White is one of the easiest high up. I really hope. I think he solidified himself getting a lease at at worst mid to late day two. Yeah. One thing about the running backs, by the way, none of them did agility drills because the NFL basically said it's too late. Let's go home. So that's why there's not no agility numbers. Pro day. Guys. So we'll have to watch pro days for that. Um, Brees Hall solidified himself as the one in this class. So I'll just go ahead and, and piggyback that because I think you're right. A lot of the middle guys, um, the Zamir Whites, Tyler Goodsons, Tyler Beatty's and Rashad Whites and, you know, Brian Robinson's and Keontae Ingram's of the world, the guys that are kind of fighting behind those top two that we're not really going to have a solid dynasty feel on until the draft when we know what the draft capital is and where they land, what their opportunity is going to be. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'll just go ahead and throw it out. There it was Brees Hall. He tested better than I expected him to. Um, when I watched him and, and Walker, they both obviously showed elite traits and I thought Hall was a more rounded back, which is why he was my running back one heading into this and then he went out and from a speed and explosiveness perspective a burst perspective tested as good if not better than walker who i thought showed more of that on film and to me that was enough to just really solidify him in is the is the running back one i already thought he was the most well-rounded back in the draft and then solidified how well-rounded he was but then also that you know even though walker's game film i thought showcased his traits a little bit more even if it wasn't quite as well rounded um that Brees hall at least from a raw athleticism standpoint was right there with him and, and that was enough to really separate the two and help me make that that little tick of an adjustment and determination i don't know how much uh, stock you would put into this but did you see the tweet by next gen stats about hall saying that he's one of six running backs since 2003 to earn a next-gen stats overall score of 99. The others, Najee, Etienne, Saquon, Derrick Henry, and Bush. I don't know how much you stock you put into this, but if, you know people are saying, okay, he's a number one back. I look at that. I, I can pretty much put two and two together and roll with that. And, of course, yeah. landing spot is everything for me. It is. And for backs, it's going to be because mm-hmm. – it's going to be opportunity and it's going to be opportunity in the first contract for backs and dynasty. Not be surprised. And I, I tweeted this after Hall had his, his full combine numbers come out. If, if, if he does not go run one hall is one of the best prospect profiles. I mean, we could say we've seen some JT his comps are fucking insane. If he was a little bit bigger, um, he'll be up there with Barkley. Like him, like him and JT aren't too far off. JT's a, a far more better runner. Obviously, production-wise in college, but Hall is receiving. He's more The fact that his testing numbers are very similar. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what he he does for agility drills, so we can hopefully get an agility score. But I mean, as of right now, it's uh, insane. Rask score. Um, he's got a great grade, you know, from Lance Zerline. It's Brees is not. He's not. He isn't a tier of his own. I have him in a tier above Kenneth Walker. I fully believe Brees will be. A late first round pick in the actual NFL draft, which will skyrocket him. Like he's 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 almost close to a top ten dynasty running back right right now. Yeah, you want Atlanta Just to given retool? his age and landscapes. You want Atlanta to retool? I'm well, just saying. Yeah, landing spot. <laughs> I mean, I would love it because it'd be great for fantasy. I don't think it's the right move for actual NFL. I don't either, but. but- 
I, anyway, I, I'd take it all day and twice on Sunday. So, a uh, guy that hurt themselves, and I'm very happy to report on this one. Isaiah Spiller, I mean, Isaiah Spiller had a terrible combine. It's not as bad as Kieran Williams. We'll just say that. Yeah, Williams was not great either. But Williams was far. I mean, at least Spiller didn't run a forty. You know what? Because Williams completely tanked well, his stock. If Spiller had run a forty, it would have been damn near the same. I would just say this. The what was bad about this is the people that you thought were the backs behind Kenneth Walker and and um I don't care who I don't you think are. Spiller's changed as much though. Uh, I he, think because his expected DC hasn't really changed. You know what? I will say this, Dan, and this will clear everything up because okay. we're going to argue about this all off season. You probably will. Every well, year, of. there's a back somebody likes. There's a back that everybody's consensus on. And I despise them. I hate them. I don't want anything to do with them because I don't like what I saw. I don't like what happened. And there may be flashes of me being wrong, but I haven't been wrong on one yet. And I'm talking about right now. The guys that that's happened to are Cam Akers, which Achilles injury. I can't victory lap that and I won't. But so far, Cam Akers, who's flashed. I haven't put it all together yet. Rashad Penny was a guy people were hyping up and excessively high on that I was never bought into. Mm -hmm. And who's the other guy? Dan, help me out here. Who do I hate? Who do I hate more than any other running back? I mean, Devin Singletary. I mean, it's very rarely. Oh, I hated Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. We both hate the same player. Rojo is also off the complete deep, and I was so off of him after. It's no, he's bounced around between the Chargers and the Steelers, and I don't know why I finally forgot his name. Oh, James Conner? No. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Chargers and Steelers? He was Chargers. Yeah. He was Steelers. He was a guy. He was a San Diego State college back that had like five and seven touchdown games. And what the no? No, not Pumphrey. No, not Pumphrey. I mean, he was Jalen Samuels. I don't know. Oh, Jalen. Sa- no, but he mean, we also didn't like him either. Hold on, I'll find it. Just Steelers. And- but anyways, Walker's the one, and not Walker. Williams is the one that tanked his draft capital the most because his his camp should have told him to not run the forty. Like his his advisors failed him. Spiller's probably not going to run particularly well, but we don't know that, and I don't think that's hurt his draft stock enough because there's a lot of you're the only film person that I know that doesn't like him. Yeah, because everything on his film scares the shit out of me. He yeah. dances behind the line. He doesn't get downhill. He doesn't show explosiveness. He doesn't show the ability to to run away from everybody. He just kind of gets up to the line and hoop de doops and picks up four to ten yards and gets tackled from behind, and that's the end of it. Yeah, and I mean, that's why it's comps have all been Le'Veon Bell. Like, cause he's, you know, well, everybody gets too. a Bell comp that bombs every year. I mean, I went back and actually looked at this, and I plan to have it fully put together for a running back episode because I didn't think I'd debate this until then. I went back and started looking at backs that have gotten Le'Veon Bell comps over the last several years, and it's not pretty. Le'Veon Bell was an outlier of a prospect. So Le'Veon Bell comps are going to miss more than they're going to hit. I mean, at least he got round two, and and he was a pass catcher. From a DC perspective, you don't know what Spiller's DC is going to be yet. I'm just, uh, of course, it's all expectation. I'm just reading. I'm just going off of what I see. 
And you're right. He could fall out of day two. I bet he and does. Then I'll, and then I will readjust. I'd be willing like to I bet always that he do. falls out of day two. Yeah. I just, yeah. Caleb Balaj. Oh, Caleb Balaj. That's, uh, uh, he played that's Pittsburgh. Right. He briefly. Uh, was yeah. it Pittsburgh? Yeah. It was Miami, Miami and Chargers. Miami. It wasn't I Pittsburgh. thought he was in Pittsburgh briefly. Too. He, yo, you might be right. I he was. He, he was in Pittsburgh like in 2021. In Pittsburgh. He, he he started zero games. He played in 17 for Pittsburgh yeah, last geez. year. Oh, okay. In 2020, he was with the Jets and the Chargers, and before that, he was with Miami. It's Kalen Balaj. I can't believe I would I, hear a Kalen Balaj name in this show anymore. He's another one people hyped up. He got fourth-round draft capital, and he's god-awful. So... I, Which I is can't still wait day to see two. what Miami does at running back, by the way. Speaking of the Dolphins. Brees Hall. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, want, I, want I, Mostert, I really think I want Raheem that, Mostert. That's what I want. Oh, I mean, if they go, if they don't go rookie. Sure. Yeah. It's okay. gonna be it's gonna be all all the Niners casts away. Yeah. That uh that Mike McDaniels can just pick back up. So I found the back that we're going to differ. I found the player because there's one of them every year, too, that you and I are probably going to argue about the most pre-drafts. So that's good. But it's not, but it's not Spiller and it's not Kenny Pickett. Well, and I, it'll, it'll probably be Spiller and Kenny Pickett. It'll be Spiller and, and Pickett, honestly, too. there's probably going to be a wide receiver that comes in there, too, as soon as I start diving into that. There's going to be somebody. It'll always like. be. It. There's always at least one of those three. Tight ends we don't really care about because who the fuck knows who they are after until the first, you know, until you're three, four anyways. All right. Wide receiver, Anthony, go. You said you had a wide receiver that hurt himself. Yeah, a wide receiver that I thought might have hurt themselves, depending on how much stock you put into it. Uh, Traylon Burks uh, didn't have the best combine, didn't test the greatest, especially with the 40. Uh, how do you think that affects him or, or doesn't it affect him? I, I saw that he was 22nd out of 33 receivers in the 40, and his cone drill wasn't the greatest. Uh, th- does this hurt him for you? And if so, how much? So with all the other non-high 40-time receivers that have blown out of, that have blown expectations, I don't think it hurts him too much. What scares me is is one of his biggest athletic comps is Nikhil Harry. Like, mm-hmm. it's it, like that. I mean, he's also with other good ones. And Harry's profile was elite besides the between the ears shit. So that one, I, I'm just like, ah, oh, please don't fall, you know, that far. But yeah, I'm looking at it, the- it, his game speed was also incredibly well. Like I think next, I think one of the on track uh, miles per hour data that I've seen out there clocked him going at like 21 miles an hour. One of the fastest wide receiver marks amongst this class. So his game speed will play a lot faster than the combine. You can say that it's a little discouraging that he couldn't, show up athletically with him supposing supposedly being a athletic freak. It's a little discouraging to see a four five five and a pretty bad vertical score, but yeah. I mean he's still six two two twenty five. They ran a four five five forty that has a very good speed score. So yeah, he's eighty seven. He's not far out of the first round. He's still a first round. Eighty seventh percent dial size adjusted, which is is okay. Yeah. And let me go look and see what the baseline is for running back for wide receivers in the four. It may have been because Wilson had a good, um, had a good, you know, uh, uh, a combine that may have overtaken Wilson. Also, has the highest odds to be the first receiver drafted right now amongst most Vegas and betting sites. So I don't think it hurt him too much. Um, but I know a lot of people dropped him into just a cluster of guys with London Wilson. 
Jamison Williams. I've seen some Alave up there. I wouldn't have Alave that high, though. The one that hurt himself the most might be David Bell. And that's because I keep saying that he, it's starting to look more and more that he is this class is Tyler Johnson. What I mean by that is, is the community absolutely loves David Bell, but the NFL is telling us otherwise. And we've learned hard with Tyler Johnson. And now we got to be careful not to make the same mistake with Bell if with how bad his athletic numbers were. So here's the athletic criteria I pinned on wide receiver, by the way. And this is based on the last basically based 2010 through today. So 12 years of wide receivers, excluding the previous three years draft classes, because you don't know what their outcome is yet. So, um, basically four, five, eight is the number you have to be under for a 40 time to, to have some form of success at a, at an NFL level, basically hold on, grab a starting job, hold on to it, maintain it. And consistently be in the top 24 to 27 receivers. Four, five, eight is the number you're looking for in the 40 or lower. So, I mean, he, he hit that from a, from a, a burst score, which is the other thing that was a little low. It's only 1035. He was above that. So, I mean, I'm surprised not, four, five, eight is the base level. Yeah. They're not super cool. Cause he just said Cooper Cup is, you know, he, you know, he ran a four, you know, four, six, two. Yeah. Well, you know, guys like Michael Thomas, I so, think, for the Saints too. And as again, well. it's it's outliers, and what what got okay. Cooper Cup was the agility score, and that's a, a very particular. I brought this up to Miguel when we were talking Hunter Renfro too. There's a very particular type of receiver that can hit nothing else but agility, and be successful. And the guys that play the slot a lot, and Cup's raw route running ability, I think, also is not something that's going to show up in combine numbers. He's yeah. a very heady player. Well, that in the forty time is becoming more and more less accepted as a no as a good uh it's a good kind of meter for wide receiver you know prediction you know success at the nfl let me pull or not at the fantasy level let me pull this up real quick too and i'll give you some guys that are around that four five five mark i'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of good and bads i mean it speed score i always kind of lean on and yeah size adjusted speed score is actually one of the biggest tells um and if they're, the if they're in early declare, because when the NFL tells you to come out early, it generally means it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so 40 time. I got to sort it real quick. Hold on. 40. Sort. Spreadsheet based. Okay. Oh, why did it do that? Oh, okay. That's why. Oh, because I'm looking at quarterbacks. Let me sort the right tab. This Which is why we do, do this live and don't edit, because you can watch me sort the quarterback tab, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Those those times are way too high. Makes for good radio. It does make for good radio, right? There it is. Got it. Helps if you sort the right tab. Um. Okay. Some other guys that were in the four... Five five range. Actually, it picks back up around the four five five four five six range because you get into some size. So here's some guys that were four five five four five six range: Jamison Crowder, Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. There's some pretty good success there. Yep. Mike, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Des Bryant were four five sevens. Um, the only guy that really busted in that group 
basically between Jamison Crowder and Des Bryant that I just named, which is running four five six to four five eight, is Ryan Broyles. And he was supposed to be. Then he had injuries come and really take that away from him too. Yeah. Cortland Sutton was a four five four. Um Adam Thielen was a four five four. Mike Evans four five three. Uh Nikhil Harry, you mentioned him four five three. Um also Alshon Jeffrey, Corey Davis, Doug Baldwin, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Lee, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay. So I mean that's all the way down to four five. So I mean you get Actually, a set of elite receivers when you get around that four five five mark. I mean, it picks back up there. So just, I don't think it's an indictment. That's a long way of saying that I don't think it's an indictment. I do think that I haven't watched this film yet, so you will see how it plays with that once all pieces are put together. But I don't see that and think, oh, holy crap, I want to be out on Traylon Burks. I agree, I agree with Dan. It's David Bell that I heard a lot about that the combine numbers just completely shot me on. It was, uh, yeah, he was probably the biggest loser amongst these top receivers, especially from, you know, again, we can, I'll hit it on it again. He, he, he's starting to look like this year's Tyler Johnson. There's, there, there's still hope because athletic numbers don't mean as much for receivers and the NFL is telling us that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he is someone that's cleaning to, if he gets day two, I'm going to feel a lot better if he falls into day three, it's going to be, he's probably going to drop pretty far. It's just his comps get lower and lower then because of how poor his, his athletic numbers were so great production wise, you know, you know, broke out very early. Um, so all those things are great to see, but it, it won't matter if he's, you know, a fifth round pick and he's the third, fourth fiddle on an offense. Uh, Alec Pierce is another guy I want to reach out and just say helped himself killed it. a good amount at the combine. He killed he it from an athletic perspective. So, um, him and Watson are two big winners. Yeah, just missed qualifying from a statistical perspective for me. Um, particularly just not the not enough games under his belt for the career stats. Um, well, he did have enough games. Just productivity wasn't necessarily there. Not a high volume passing offense. So, we'll see what the film looks like on him. Anything else on wide receivers? We're going to skip tight ends because they're tight ends. And yeah. We've already ran an hour and a half. No, we. Do you have anything else, Anthony? No, no, I think we got everything on the uh, combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we're good. Cool. Anthony, <laughs> tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at The Real NFL Guru. And of course, follow uh, the podcast, follow the website at the FFFaceOff and FFFaceOff.com. Really excited to have Beer Fuel join the brand. We have a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, I, I can't wait for what we have in store. Aaron tweeted out, uh, I think it was yesterday that we reached over uh, 100,000 website views. So that's a Hell pretty yeah. cool milestone to hit. So Very nice. uh, things are going in the right direction. Oh yeah. Well, we're happy to be on board as as we continue to be on the up and up and and look forward to working more with it and you know, yeah, starting to fold in and merge together here as we move forward. So it's a super exciting time for us. Um I'm at Beerfield Hop. He's at Beerfield Thurry. The show is at Beerfield on Twitter. Uh Beerfield Podcast on YouTube. And yeah, you can get us wherever podcasts are. Dan, any parting words? Oh, excited for this draft. Excited for new partnership. And uh, thank you again, Anthony, for jumping on. Absolutely. Absolutely.